podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Hello everyone, we're back after an interesting weekend in the Premier League where weak and strong performances alike for FPL managers led to high highs and low lows as the season progressed into the double digits. Let's go then, I'm Tom, I'm here with a tentative beer today. I've picked up a really annoying sort of piddly cough from either work or from my daughter via playgroup. So ugh, having beer, I'm sure, is, is, is the way to get through these things. It's the time on the tradition and uh, also potentially drinking a little bit to forget the game, the game we've just gotten. <laughs> Yuck. Anyway, I'm joined by Sam. As always, you all right? Yeah, all good, thanks. Uh, yeah, I got, got down to Southampton over the weekend, so um, watched one of the better Southampton performances in recent years, so I was quite happy with that. First time at St Mary's this year too. So that took my mind off of F- FPL a little bit, didn't go too great on the Saturday, and as we'll discuss, FPL was a bit bit meek for both of us this week although although not a total unmitigated disaster so I'm not in too terrible a mood for the pod tonight either um we are who got the assist the mini league is finally closed so congratulations if you wormed your way into it before we closed it off but we did give everyone a fair bit of warning game week 10 I think was a fair shut off point so good luck to all of you that are in the mini league for this season there is a trophy on offer come game week 38 so uh fingers crossed for all of you out there on today's pod um the contemplate the main topic is going to be on over management which is quite a a prudent to- topic to be talking about at the moment, I think, with all of last week's fighters, or at least most of last week's fighters from the pod, blanking with some of the players that were sold off in the on mass were the Spurs boys, for instance, all returning. What is this condition that is overthinking that impacts FPL managers and how we can ward against it? Uh, bold claims, as always, we'll be doing. And then a listener Q&A. We've got quite a few good listener questions at the end of the pod to look out for as well. We're recording on the 30th of October. The game week is over. So without further ado, I'll hand back to my co-host, Tom. Yes, indeed. Right. Let's get this out of the way. Scores on the bloody doors. Um, <laughs> so uh, I think you are first. So it gives me more time to just wallow and keep drinking. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, drink away, Tom. Um, my mind wasn't great either. 64 points for me it was a red arrow. I'm down to 695, so just outside, just inside of the top 700k now. Um, after two good green arrows, um, I was due a little bit of a, a correction, I think, probably. So brought back down to earth this game week. I don't think it was a disaster by any means. I think I was maybe one return away from it being at least a grey, possibly even a green arrow. Um, obviously, I sold Madison for Saka, both getting six points. So absolutely fine there. Son did get the goal and, and the max maximum bonus as well. I was quite lucky that Spurs conceded in the end because I had a doggy, didn't play, um, whereas a lot of other owners had uh, Porro, for instance. Um, but that also took Son up to the three bonus points as well. So that was a really good swing for me, but could have easily gone the other way. Was never really considering captaining Haaland away at Man United, but possibly should have been looking at that a little bit more closely. But Salah with the fairly lucky goal against Nottingham Forest, not bad. But overall, 64 points, not a great week, but definitely not a disaster. So I'll, I'll take that one and move on to game week 11. Yes, indeed. Well, the swing did go the other way for me with Poro, but I did predict it, didn't I? You did. <laughs> I- 
God, I said it exactly. He said, "Oh, um, yeah, I said oh, Poro's on the probably on bonus now. I'm sure that someone like IU is going to score a pointless goal in the 90 plus minute, and that's exactly what transpired." Mm-hmm. Um, yes, that wasn't a prediction I enjoyed uh, coming the scene come to fruition. I think that kind of set the tone for the week, really, because yes, that did elevate Son to 10 at that point. At the, the, before that happened, I think Poro was on two bonus and I was kind of thinking, yeah, you know, I've sort of covered it here. Yeah. I think it kind of just continued on downhill. So my moves in the end were, as said last pod, because I'd already done them, uh, Kulu, Alvarez and Son out for Marcel, Wat- uh, Watkins and Madison uh, choosing to keep Trippier over Son. Um, so that's kind of 14 points scored by the guys who went out, 11 points scored by the guys who came in. Uh, Marcinelli denied, but I could say by foddering him and also created free chance in the game, but sadly got uh, subs for Trossard. So, so yeah, there's, there's always going to be that going on. Um, so kind of a minus seven overall with the transfers, if you include the minus four taken. Um, I mean, I, I think I'm just a little bit sort of like, oh God, because I, I feel like I was a little bit impetuous and I feel like I probably should have, considered Son staying a little bit more because now I kind of think that maybe it should have been Trippier who went I should have taken those points and ran uh, like one of the usual commenters said a little while ago um, rather than kind of continuing to keep him so a bit of a headache going forward and uh, also there are charges of overmanagement against me mainly brought by myself but I'm not <laughs> by any other body I refer myself to the independent WGTA body to arbitrate about overmanagement <laughs> And since this is a week um, where I guess the pro template is to roll for a lot of people, um, I think it's worth kind of just spending a bit of time, I guess, thinking about overmanagement in FBL. Um, because Chris asked, with blanks for Watkins and Saka, who recorded 0.06 XGI, that was Saka, of course, Watkins um, yeah, missed two glorious opportunities very early on. I'm yeah. sure one of his shots was like 0.91 XGOT. And so Chris asks, uh, was the rush to Watkins and Saka last week a waste of time? And I suppose in the context of transfers some people made, including myself, selling lights of Son, Madison, the guys who uh, returned, as you said earlier on, um, Sam, um, <clears throat> it's worth mentioning this. So over management, I guess, is the idea that sometimes it's better to do nothing or do minimal stuff rather than make big, heavy moves to smash you forward because often more often than not it actually smashes you in the ass um i mean have you you're, you're quite a, a a notably safe manager has <laughs> befallen you in the past or is it something that you've kind of done in the past and now kind of completely just got over yeah i mean I, i've definitely done it in the past I, I i think i'm yet to meet an fpl manager with several seasons under their belt who hasn't fallen victim to over managing at certain times and a lot of it can often get coloured by the outcome rather than the decision making. Sometimes we get away with overmanaging because the outcomes actually favoured us. So it's important to note that overmanagement doesn't always necessarily lead to the outcome we might deserve, which would be obviously quite negative if we have overmanaged. And sometimes we forget about it a week later and double down again because the result has actually favoured us. One really good example I can remember from my personal history was I think it was two years ago when Son and Kane were both at their absolute height, but it was one or the other that was doing really well at any given moment. So I think at the time I had Son and Kane was smashing it all of a sudden. There was just a patch of fixtures where Kane was just bagging a brace every single week. And then I, I thought, oh, well, I need to sort of 
realign i need to shift focus across to kane sold son as part of i think it was as part of a minus four if i'm honest mm. and then immediately the pendulum swung back in the other direction so that yeah. that was probably the worst example i can think of that comes to mind but i'm sure there are other examples that that have probably gone against me and then other examples where i've overmanaged, but i've forgotten about them because the result is actually not hindered my overall FPL performance. But that mm. doesn't mean I wasn't overmanaging at the time. Yeah, I think Lucy did exactly the same thing. I think she was complaining about that uh, when we had yeah. on as a guest a couple of years ago. Absolutely. I mean, I I remember <clears throat> this was back in uh, 2017 when the pod first started. I sold Salah when he was away at Bournemouth for that hat trick for a minus four because I had other plans. I wanted to get Kane in. You know, Salah was an unknown quantity at the time. And I thought, oh, yeah, no, I wanted to just kind of shore up my team a little bit. I think I had some bench issues and I wanted to buy on Arnautovic. I seem to remember I wanted to buy. Uh, so I sold <laughs> Salah for a minus four um, against Bournemouth. And then he proceeded to score a hat-trick. And most of the game owned him. And we didn't really know about EO those days. Uh, but it's definitely a case just over-managing. Because I could have just benched. Um, I think I had a player injured. I could have just benched. Like had like you know a 4.5 million midfielder at the time come off the bench for two points and roll the transfer. I really sh I should have done that. And that's the sort of thing that kind of... I guess came to mind a little bit. I mean, it wasn't that bad a punishment this week, minus seven, but I am looking at it a little bit. And yes, I know there's obviously kind of the, the, the sepia tinged smooch of hindsight, perhaps covering me. Um, but I still think it's to some extent that maybe if I slept on it a little bit, just let that kind of rise happen and try to kind of make, look up, uh, look for other alternatives when we got to Friday, that the, like the trippier, replacing Trippier instead of Son may have kind of happened because there is a sense of kind of now I don't have Son which is something which is quite difficult if you do have Son to kind of get your head around now I don't have him there's a there's a, a real sort of palpable sense of FOMO especially and we'll talk about this later on that I think the template is now hardening a little bit um, I think there's certainly players who people are kind of settling on and thinking well you know what I'm just gonna leave this guy here and I think removing a, a, mem a member of the set template it was perhaps perhaps not really the best call yes these are never the pods that i enjoy but hey then what can you do so that's over management what triggers it sam what triggers over management i think there's definitely kind of a few things aren't there the first one this week the rush to watkins and and um, to less extent saka as chris mentioned like that there's always this sort of i guess urge to bring in a player uh, if he becomes a quote-unquote need for the next few mm. fixtures, or at least you know, a big fixture like Luton, or what, Luton at home or something like that. And that can necessitate, I suppose, removing performing players whose fixtures may be hardening. Like, it wasn't just me who made ugly transfers this week. There were quite a few people, weren't there? Yeah, absolutely. And um, one of the comments on my own personal YouTube today was talking about selling Alvarez this week for Darwin. So it seems like Darwin's now the, the it thing for this week. And it just goes to show every single week there's a new it thing there's a new hype player that's being talked about quite a lot in whether it's twitter x or whether it's in the youtube comments or just in content creation around fpl at the moment the the narrative shifts so quickly and becomes really embedded in the way people are thinking about their moves and i think it's important to note that just because a player isn't being talked about that week doesn't mean they're a bad pick. It just means that probably a lot a lot of people who would have otherwise been talking about him have already got them in. So maybe they don't need to be talking about him quite so much anymore. So Alvarez being a good example this week. But last week, if we're focusing on the Spurs assets, both Son and Madison were still going to be good picks 
last week, arguably are still moving forward pretty decent picks as well. But you won't see too many people mentioning them outside of the realms of can we get rid of them? It won't be these great, these are great picks to to bring in right now because most of the people who were interested in them in the first place have already got them in. So I think mm. it's it's about making sure that you don't let the narrative of whatever, wherever you're consuming content, whether it's on, on this podcast, whether it's on YouTube, whether it's um, on Twitter, X, don't just take that information. Also think about why aren't people talking about other assets? Alvarez won't be talked about much this week because those of us who don't have him probably aren't <laughs> going to get to him now because they've got, they've got Watkins, they've got Darwin. Yeah. But that doesn't make Alvarez a terrible pick at home to Bournemouth. That's a fantastic pick to have. It's just that he won't be a massive buy for many this week because a lot of people have already sorted that position or already own him and therefore aren't going to be talking about him. So mm. that was the issue, I think, last week with the Spurs assets in particular and possibly to an extent Trippier too. And Saka was one pick that had been injured for a little while, coming into a good run of fixtures. So everyone's going to be talking about him and the Arsenal assets. So it felt like there was this big groundswell of momentum building. And I think for you as well, Watkins was another good example. I'd probably put him in a slightly different bucket um, to Saka in particular, because he also had been returning consistently in the previous weeks. So there was more than just the narrative bias. Whereas with Saka, I think it was this groundswell of information everyone's talking about bringing in Arsenal players ahead of Sheffield United. I think it could have gone nuclear. It could have been a much bigger score, but that doesn't make the Spurs assets a bad own. And that doesn't mean you, you need to get rid of the Spurs assets and all of a sudden they're going to stop returning. It's just, mm. I think a lot of content creators out there probably were thinking the Arsenal assets can probably outperform them in the next couple of weeks. That doesn't mean, that doesn't mean the players you've already got won't do well, though. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, I mean, there's definitely whenever you make a, a like a lot of the time, the ideal moves you want to make are the ones which are kind of straightforward, obvious ones. I think, mm. and this week was definitely one which wasn't straightforward and obvious. And I think you're right that there's definitely um, <clears throat> the fact that that the ongoing sort of question is going to be when can I remove these Spurs players because there's other players who are going to come through mm. and you know there's always that sort of the nature of the outcome so if Poro's eight had come in I wouldn't be upset I don't think or I'm not upset because I've, I've got a life but I, I wouldn't be like thinking about it reflectively because I don't think like because some would have been matched by Poro and I'd be thinking to myself oh you know I've covered that that's okay and you mentioned earlier on you know you've maybe overmanaged yourself before and Maybe you did it, but you forgot about it. That's because you know, out, it's, it's that out, outcome bias, isn't it? Or uh, as it's known in poker, resulting. And the idea that when you achieve a good outcome, you assume it's because you made the right decision and the process was optimal. When, yeah. you do a, when you achieve a poor outcome, you assume you made the wrong decision and your process was off. And th th these things actually, like, even though it's a good thing um, that you had those occasions where you may have overperformed, you may have overmanaged, and it's kind of done well, and you kind of think, oh well, whatever. That can sometimes be a bad thing as well because you yeah. can kind of conflate luck and skill. Like you can just, you can kind of think to yourself, the outcome is literally just a, a skill thing, <laughs> you know, and your process was optimal. And on the flip side, you know, if if you if the outcome is negative, you can kind of think to yourself, oh, you know what, like, you know, I've completely messed up. My process was awful because the outcome was bad and um, and i think sometimes that's kind of the difficult thing as fpl managers if we're being reflective how we sort of 
balance that up like uh, uh, is is it always just my transfers went well therefore my thinking was good or is it the case that sometimes that you think oh you know what and um, you're always open to things going wrong and f- for me i think that my problem is not so much the outcome it's so much it's more that i'm not comfortable with the thought process and i think when i was listening back to the pods last tuesday for just our clips and things like that i could definitely kind of tell that i wasn't particularly um completely comfortable with the move that i made put it that mm. way and i think that 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 does make me think i've overmanaged a little bit and the kind of I, I, obviously i'm always a little bit um a little bit skeptical uh, at the start of every week sam as you now have learned and um, but i think this week especially i was particularly skeptical about the move that i made and i think obviously um the poro um uh, the, the spurs losing the clean sheet kind of um, reinforced that a little bit um but yeah there's, there's i guess so um first trigger for over management can be kind of a player becoming a need um, for the, f- the next few fixtures anyway. Uh, the mm. second one is kind of this 0.0 thing that everyone sort of loves me, me myself included, you know, when I, when I was wildcarding, I was banging on about having a 0.0 draft that I really liked. And that sort of drove the trans the decision to make the wildcard. And that sort of drove the decision as well to think, Oh, you know what? This is my last chance to do this, to, to get these players in. I'm going to, I'm going to go for it now. And I think that kind of brings another thing, which is action bias, you know, that sometimes you feel compelled to act because it feels like you're, you're missing a huge opportunity to secure a certain sort of thing, in this case, a certain setup. And I mean, do, do you think kind of sometimes this kind of drives a lot of transfer behavior activity as well? Because people see your players going up on, say, a Tuesday. They know that there's a, a European game or a cup game on a Wednesday, but I'll make the move just because they think, oh, I'm at 0.0. I've got to do it. I feel like that's such a, such a huge driving force sometimes, isn't it, in our behavior? Yeah, not not even just in FPL as well, but you're you're a man with a, a young kid. Soon enough, you're going to be buying them toys, and you take that toy away from them, even if they don't want it at the time. All of a sudden, that's going to be their favourite toy immediately, and it's it's very similar with that with the 0.0. If you've got to make a move tonight, if that opportunity is going to be yanked away from you the following morning, it makes you feel like oh, I'm going to be missing out on this huge opportunity, as you say if I don't act now, when actually maybe it might be more sensible to let the opportunity slide because you're not fully convinced that it is the best move for your team. I I think it's a tough balance to get because often a lot of moves get made at both the start of the week and at the end of the week. So most of the price swings will happen when everyone's still a little bit like raw with emotion from the game week. Or right at the end when you've had a lot of time to analyse all of the European fixtures or the midweek cup fixtures have been out of the way. But by that time, all of the early movers could mean that you've got yourself priced out of a, of a move that you wanted to make. So moving early does have its benefits, but I think you need to be very, very sure of those moves going into the week. If you're going to make a move on a Sunday evening or a Monday, whilst those whilst those prices are still fluctuating quite rapidly at that time. I, as we have discussed on this pod before several times already, I tend to leave my moves quite late because I prefer the information over the extra 0.1 or 0.2. Even if it means that I'm going to get priced out, I need to be super, super convinced that this is the move for me to make that move early in a week. I'm just, I'm, I just get burnt too often by these things where 
a player gets injured midweek or I feel like I've been pressured into a move and by the end of the week with more information, I feel like, oh, maybe I could have seen another opportunity down the line. And I, I think that might have been what happened to you this week a little bit. Um, but I wouldn't I wouldn't want to put words words into your mouth. Um we spoke about it's, this, tough, we, it's tough to balance though. We definitely spoke about that we spoke about that really early, didn't we? About um like <laughs> very start of this pod about kind of lesson as this season sorry about lessons learned mm. and the Austin rule and things like that and I did say last week you know this is the only, you only can do this once or twice a season and it's quite funny that the funny um that this has sort of been the one which is kind of completely um not blown up in my face as much I'm, I'm not talking about kind of a, a massive sort of huge swing like a friend of mine Neil Gupta he got to I think he, his swing was like minus 47 or something from selling Holland. um so yeah right. it's, it's very I think he, he sold Holland and ended up kind of benching Wilson and it all got very very messy indeed you know all of those sorts of things so I mean it's not as bad but still it's kind of you know worth talking about so Triggers for, for over, over management. We've got player becoming a need that 0.0. I think you said something really interesting there about kind of feeling emotional and um, post yeah. the game. We can, and that can actually be positive or negative, I think. Like negatively, you've got that kind of almost masochistic urge, haven't you, to kind of just do something, you know, sort my team out. You know, I'm done with this. I've seen enough of this mm. person. I, I don't want him in my team anymore. I'm getting rid of him. I'm sure those people have had that with Mbumo, the likes of Sterling this year. Um, but I think for me, actually, what might have happened, Sam, was that I was, I, I'd had a couple of really good weeks. I'd halved my rank twice. And maybe I'd kind of gotten a bit, there's a bit of overreach maybe. Like I was doing mm. well and it was kind of like, I was kind of almost in the group. Yeah, maybe yeah. overconfident in my decisions. Obviously, that's very kind of subjective and outcome bias driven to some extent. Um, but I think, you know, sometimes that too should kind of be, you should kind of take a moment to think about those sorts of things as well. Like, yes, it's great you're doing well, but you've also got to kind of come back to a norm or kind of come back to the sort of sense of a grounded shavasana about where you are and what you're going to be doing. Just because sometimes, you know, you, you can, I, I do think a, a over management can sometimes be that you've maybe gotten a bit overconfident because I think every year, um, especially the years when I've been, when I've done badly, um, which is for those listening, who've listened for a long time, probably about the last sort of four or five years before last year, there was always a moment where I was doing pretty well. And then I do something like this. Luckily, I think this is fairly early in the season. So I think it's probably all right. But where I've kind of got to a certain point, I've made like a big call, or like on a wild card. I've removed, uh, I always say, don't throw the baby out of the bar for it on a wild card. That's exactly what I've done in the past, like remove performing players on the, on the late wild card, for example, and found myself being absolutely destroyed by those players continuing to perform. Um, so, I mean, I do think that you can get that kind of, you, you can kind of be <laughs> swept along on the on a wave of your own, hubris effectively sometimes in fpl as well if you're doing well and you kind of think oh you know what i'm fine i'm just going to do this so it's fine especially in the emotion of having a good game week i think sometimes as well it's a good thing isn't it to kind of step back if you even if you've done well and think actually i need to just kind of take stock and think a bit more yeah absolutely i think i think in basketball it's known as the hot hand fallacy i think um, where you just assume that because the last shot went in, the next one's going to go in, then the next yep. one's going to go in next. And decision-making in FPL has an element of randomness to it, as an element of luck to it. There is skill in making the right decisions, but the outcome is luck-driven. So 
for you to think, not you in particular, but any F FPL manager to think that I'm going to keep getting these decisions right and it will keep paying off. I think you can't, you can't equate one with the other. You can keep making the right decisions, but you can't guarantee that those are actually going to result in a positive outcome every week. You've just got to make sure that the process yeah. is a sound one. And I think sometimes when you've had a number of good outcomes in a row, even if the process hasn't necessarily been correct, and this isn't to say yours hasn't been, by the way, I think you, you've definitely done the right thing recently, but in general, if the process hasn't been correct, but the outcome has been correct, maybe sometimes that overconfidence can come into your thinking. You think, well, basically everything I touch turns to gold at the moment. I'm definitely making the right decisions. The process is, must be good because the outcome's great. So therefore I'm just going to keep going with my gut and I'm going to keep following further down the rabbit hole of crazier and crazier decisions that are going to prove me to be the FPL genius of all time. That's not what you've done here. I think you've, you've seen, you've seen a play through Martinelli in particular as an opportunity. And I don't think that actually your decision-making was necessarily that bad on that, but you've been punished. Mm. And I think the process may come under the microscope, but I don't think it's the worst one I've ever seen. I think my, my no, example no. with Son Kane years ago was way, way worse than that. And I, I got punished duly. And I'm in a way, I'm thankful I did because I remember it and I remember not to do that. But I think in general, if anyone's out there listening and, and thinking, oh, I'm not sure about my process recently, even though the outcome's been good or the reverse, just focus back in on the process, whether the decision making is that whether you're doing it on eye test, whether you're doing it a stats driven decision making process this season, go back to what you believe in, figure out on paper whether or not what you're what you've been doing in the last few weeks has actually made sound, got sound reasoning behind it based on the way you tend to play the game. And just see whether or not you've started maybe drifting away from that process, whether or not your solid foundations are slightly shifting to try and catch the next big thing just for the sake of it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes, I couldn't do it myself. And I think the, fi the final thing, um, so becoming a player becoming a need, uh, 0.0 coming up, uh, you need to buy that player straight away. And maybe an element of overreach um, mm. if you're doing well with emotional effects on you. I think the final thing might be boredom, you know? Yeah. You definitely see that a lot. People are going, oh, I'm bored of this. I'm bored of my team you know, uh, not performing great or whatever. And it can sometimes happen. Like you've had, if you've had the same team for a while and you've been sort of cruising, you know, not, not really been getting massive highs, but maybe not necessarily getting low lows either. Um, and you feel like you kind of come into a subpar week. You may think you want to kind of just change it up. And um, I think this is especially true now. Um, the templates I mentioned earlier on is kind of hardened around uh, a few kind of players who most people are going to own. Uh, they're Holland, Salah, Son, Saka. Um, I'd probably say those four. Um, mm. So the next few weeks, um, you're going to be kind of, there's going to be a lot of kind of moving the deck chairs around the Titanic, isn't there, as it sinks? Because there are going to be loads of moves you don't really need to make. Like uh, I, had, I was doing some messing around the FPL.team. Um, I looked at your team, actually, Sam. Um, and we spoke about that as well, didn't we, um, a, a couple of days ago. Mm. That I looked at your team and thought, wow, I, I, with your team, I don't really need to do anything for quite a while. And I think that in some ways, that's almost a battle in of itself, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And you've looked at my FPL team at the moment. I'm having that worry myself right now over, well, surely anything that I do now is just going to go wrong because I could move out a good asset quite easily in the next couple of weeks for what I believe to be another good asset. But 
the, the player that I'm selling could easily pop off and the player I'm buying could easily not. So yeah, it, I've got two free transfers at the moment as well, which just tempts me even more to do something yeah. more substantial <laughs> with my team. So it's it's difficult to hold on to those two free transfers. Um, I wouldn't go as far to say as I'm going to burn this week. I know I know that there is at least one move I want to make, but I am trying to calm myself down a little bit, make sure that, especially after a red arrow, that I'm not trying to just chase the pack just that little bit too much. And out of boredom, I've I've seen the same front seven now for two or three weeks. Am I? Do I want to mix it up? Do I want to move out a player just because they blanked once or twice in the last three? I'm not so sure that that's a great idea. Um, so yeah, boredom could easily strike if you've seen a player on your side for a couple too many weeks and uh, they're not quite hitting the heights of maybe some other shinier picks for no good reason other than just maybe some bad luck. Maybe their finishing boots haven't been on the on the correct feet that week then you never know you could end up overreacting based on boredom more than anything else and that's something i'm really trying to guard against mm. this week in particular but also probably for the next couple of weeks ahead as well i wonder if in some ways the goal is to manage ourselves into irrelevance like <laughs> maybe that's what the actual challenge of fpl always is just building the perfect zombie team like over time just doing that and yeah. yeah i completely feel what you're saying and it's kind of a bit a bit galling really that my decisions this week have meant that what i now perceive to be the kind of the, the optimal team for the next little while i can't get to and it may well be the next week you know the outcome becomes uh, that actually the players i brought in do all right you know marcelli yeah. does something and suddenly i'm like oh okay that's great and suddenly i'm thinking oh you know i've got a really low end differential that everyone's going to want and um, it can turn really quickly like that and um, i'm definitely all doom and gloom um but i, I think yeah you're, you're completely right that <laughs> fighting the demon of boredom and um, with your team is going to be something you'll need to watch out for especially um if you've got the sort of team that sam's got which is quite you know uh, really kind of um suited to the, the challenges of now so, um, over management, what causes what causes it? Um, a player becoming a need for next few fixtures, that 0.0, .0 sort of moment, and um, feeling like you're doing too well or not doing well enough, you know, the emotional sort of impact, impetus, and boredom. Um, so, what do we need to watch out for? I think there's definitely kind of selling performing players. I think again about doing that. <laughs> Maybe I should be more Sam, um, which I probably will be um, for a little while, um, but we'll talk about that in a second. And I think there's also, Sam, the sense of kind of a confirmation bias coming in a little bit. So, you know, we all know confirmation bias. Two things one is kind of finding information to back up your point, backs up your point. And the second thing is finding information and discarding it basically if it doesn't suit your narrative and um, we've all done it so we're trying to find a reason to bring in a particular player we might find something that we don't like but we probably ignore that to be honest uh, you may not realize you're doing it it's a non-conscious thing but you're going to be doing it that's for sure by the way it's not subconscious because you're not asleep it's a non-conscious thing um <laughs> so yeah i mean i suppose that's something that always happens isn't it though? when you're trying to cycle through and find the information that you want you do come sometimes think oh that's a bit annoying i'm just gonna ignore that don't you yeah especially like now with all the different data points that we've got to go off of there there's millions of different narratives you can spin based on one of a thousand different data points that are all arguably valuable in their own way i think the important thing is to try and narrow down to pick to pick the needle from the haystack as it were and pick a few key data points that you like to rely on with certain positions so if you're massively into your 
XGXA, then really hone in on that. See, see if you can create a process every week where you almost measure a player's merits based on those statistics in particular. I'm not saying that those are necessarily the ones to go for. There are a hundred different data points you could pick from, but just as quite popular examples at the moment. I think mm. I think if you're leading a more eye test based decision process, it's easier to have that confirmation bias as well, because there are so, so much goes on in 90 minutes, including several things that will never even pop up in the stats, like offside goals, for instance, or a pass that gets cut out at the last man. Ollie Watkins, for instance, great example over the weekend where Lockyer bins it into his own net. If Lockyer wasn't standing there, Watkins taps it in for a, a 0.99 xg goal he might have missed that as well to be fair he could he could have he could i own him now so you know that's That's true yeah yeah actually everyone should probably sell him at this point let's be honest um but yeah so like all of the all of these things with the eye test you can easily it's impossible to remember the whole 90 minutes and it's even more impossible to remember the whole 90 minutes of every single match this player has played for the last two, three years. So you're going to miss something and confirmation bias is going to creep in with just a purely eye test driven approach. That's not to say eye test is bad. I think you just need to Mm. try, try to color your opinion with the stats, but make sure that the stats are again, not, not, cherry picked to suit your narrative as well which we've all done we've all done it a million times and it's almost impossible not to in certain certain places because there are just so many different ways you could look at the data and even if we're looking at one piece of data let's say this season ollie watkins for once is overperforming his xg I could I could easily turn around and tell you, well, that means he's a lethal finisher this year. Whereas you could turn around and just as just as rightfully say that, well, that's going to revert to the mean over time. That is not going to be sustainable. He's going to drop back down to a, one goal every two games, which is about his XG, what his XG is saying. And both of us would have a, a fairly decent case, a, a good narrative to spin there. But again, that's just two different stories that we're telling ourselves based off of one data point. So it's very easy to just get caught up with this confirmation bias. And I think trying to nail down a very strict and consistent process in a decision making in, in decision making yeah. in picking a player is really crucial to try and alleviate that as much as possible. But I'm very conscious in in making sure that I'm not saying that you're going to get rid of it altogether because I don't think that's actually possible unless you literally just play off of FPL review, for instance, yeah, and make the all the transfers that way. I can see why people do it just because it's complete negativity, yeah. isn't it? I, I favor a more kind of what you're saying in terms of like, it's an integrationist approach, isn't it? Of kind of putting the two things together. And that's exactly how I'd sort of say, but no, you're right. It's one that is always very difficult to get away from. Um, hopefully, us doing contemplate is a good kind of way for you to hear both sides of a particular argument too. Um, so hopefully, you can always hear voices which are pro and pro and anti uh, what your decision may well be, and which hopefully allows you to kind of gain some objective space when you're making decisions. So yeah, think about selling performing players again. Give it a bit more thought. Maybe you sleep mm-hmm. on it. Um, confirmation bias try to be aware of it and always ask yourself can I just do nothing here or can I roll one transfer like you did last week and just keep your two transfers going and that sort of thing's very good and something to watch out for final bit 
So you think you probably overmanaged. What do you do next? <laughs> so I think we've kind of already started kind of pulling at the spread a little bit. And as you said, as you said earlier, Sam, uh, focusing back in on your process is really important. Like trying to adhere to a process, whatever that process may be, be it data, I or integrationist. I, I think for me, I, I'm not, I couldn't really, if you said to me, right, can you write down and codify exactly what your process is? I'm not sure I could quite do that. I mm. think there's a lot of it which is kind of what I feel comfortable doing and, and what I feel like I can stand behind. I think where I kind of feel like I've let myself down relatively, because this is FPL, I don't really feel you know, completely upset or anything like that. But where I've let myself down a little bit is that I clearly didn't feel comfortable about the decision that I've made. And I think that is kind of what prompted me to think about this pod today. And I think, you know, there's no, there's never really a right and wrong about it. It does seem that, you know, quite a slow and steady tertiary approach to FPL does tend to be the one which most people have adopted. But there's other examples of people who have been quite maverick um, throughout the years and done well. Um, so there's never kind of one way to play FPL. Um, but it's all, it always comes back to kind of making sure you're comfortable with the decisions you're making and you're happy with the decisions you're making. And if you're not happy with them, then maybe it's a case of trying to figure out, like I have the luxury of doing with a podcast, um, exactly where you've kind of diversed where you've lost the path uh, with with your uh, with your decision making process, I think that, that's key, isn't it? Really, Sam, just feeling comfortable with what you've done. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we're quite fortunate, really, that we've got a a place where we can actually chat out what we've done over the the previous week. This is actually probably a pr a pretty crucial part of my process now, week to week, to really help me figure out where it all went wrong the week before or if it went right why it went right as well which is rarer than I'd like to admit at the moment but we'll we'll get there hopefully um but yeah it's it's really important to try and narrow narrow in on what that process mm. is um that doesn't necessarily mean it, it means it need to be massively scientific or anything like that it's just what you the way you interpret football how do you feel comfortable with managing your team and just make sure that you're consistent with that week to week you're not just wildly spraying from oh I'm going to be purely looking at eye tests this week and then next week it's oh but the data is completely different so I'm just going to go based on data and then the week after that it's oh, I'm just going to follow the next it thing on on x because those are three different approaches if you're going to be consistent about it you'll probably be getting more fruitful returns and you'll leave yourself less open to taking massive hits to try and overcorrect the following week as well because these different processes yeah. have quite different players in mind each week and, and different ways of playing the game if you end up go wildly spraying from one to the other you'll probably end up having to take hits most weeks to get across to the the other path that you've diverged from weeks before and you'll probably need three or four players in that you weren't even considering before. So yeah, yeah I think consistency is key, but that's not to say it needs to be a massively scientific thing. It can be as, as little as note down the three players that are top of your mind at the end of a Sunday after watching some matches and then has anything changed by the time you get to the Friday, if if so, why has it changed? Can you can you actually work out some logical reasons why your thinking has changed? Or is it just because time has passed and you've seen a bit too much on Twitter or YouTube content creators, for instance, mm. have talked you out of a move without you actually disproving that it was a good move in the yeah. first place? So, yeah, there are different ways to skin this cat, as it were. But I think just being consistent is the key here. 
yeah i think you, you put it nicely earlier on like before you can there's always this sort of potential pitfall that you can fall down the rabbit hole of doing more and more mad stuff and mm. um, and i think that that kind of is something that's definitely happened to me in the past where you know pits became quite moorish to try to sort of you know get that sort of chase the dragon almost and get that sort of big result which would kind of save solve everything um kind of a bit like kind of gambling effectively mm. um sometimes it can be kind of a case of maybe taking your finger off the trigger a little bit I and mean, if you are a hit friendly manager though like that should that, that you know, one bad outcome shouldn't mean that you should change kind of what you feel comfortable with um, and you know it's always kind of as a flip side of the outcome bias can be that if you have a bad outcome you can abandon the process which has worked for you in the past so that's something again to kind of be uh, be mindful of but i think if you have overmanaged, uh, one thing that i guess from my experience to do is to kind of exercise patience a tiny bit like you're not a bad manager if you've if, if you're engaged and if you listen to this you i assume that you've got some level of knowledge probably more than me to be fair and it's it's unlikely you've made a super punty panics move like that move could well come in so I'd definitely give it a few weeks uh, but that always again comes with a balance which is keep an eye on sunk cost so you know it, you don't kind of build that sort of sense of uh, sunk cost about a certain player you know i feel like you know he's my boy i've put loads of loads of time into defending him mental energy into kind of um uh, justifying why he's a good pick for speaking to him about speaking to other people about him um don't be afraid to kind of reverse the transfer so you know if i do get some back it's gonna you know it might it may be a something i kind of take a bit meekly but i'm i'll do it if that's for the best so yeah i mean it's it's i guess re, re uh, refocusing on what your process is uh watching that you don't sort of abandon that process entirely um and yeah maybe a sense of kind of i guess learning from it a little bit and i think you know not making moves as well um as we kind of mentioned earlier on when you're making when you're feeling a little bit emotional good or bad about a game week is uh, probably again um something to kind of be borne in mind but yeah no that's uh, overthinking over management and hopefully something um taken from my not, admittedly not cratered experience but still kind of a bit of a uh, taking a bit of a dent that's what i've taken and um, taken one for the team and um, so hopefully uh, from my experience you can kind of ward off um, the the demon which is over management but hey there we go um uh, the pro template as i said earlier on uh, this this looks to be a bit of a role week for many um the next few weeks in fact are looking pretty decent for a team many have landed on so i suppose sam it, it really is a good week to be discussing over management because in theory as i mentioned earlier on teams like yours are so set for set and forget right now yeah generally speaking i, th I think you're right there are obviously teams out there at the moment that probably need a few more moves um so don't let this pod put you off if if you think you're not well set up um, but I think the nature of the fact that most of us have wildcarded in the last few weeks, but whether that was all the way back in game week seven, like you, eight, like me, or 10 was quite popular as well. Um, I think a lot of us were setting up specifically for this run of fixtures. So again, um, it's probably worth noting that we're going to naturally have some quite nice fixtures to come for a lot of our players and they're in our squads for a reason. Um, there are some pretty template picks in there at the moment as well. They become more and more template across that period of wildcarding as more and more managers have flocked towards this combination of maybe four or five picks in particular. Um, I think you mentioned Haaland, Salah, Son, Saka. I'd also add Watkins into that as well, has become very template recently. And then Trippier is probably the sixth. And I think most managers who have wildcarded in the last three or four weeks will have 
five of those six, whether that's you're sacrificing Watkins and you've got Trippier or you're sacrificing Saka and you've got both Trippier and Watkins and all of these different combinations. If you've not got Haaland or you've not got Salah, you've got all of the all of the rest, plus maybe some other really quite interesting picks as well. But yeah, generally speaking, I think it is probably for most of us a mm. pretty decent time to be rolling in the midfield and up front. I don't think there are too many moves out there that need to be forced in the next couple of weeks. In defence, there might be one or two for me personally. And there are some pretty interesting fixtures coming where they're playing each other and they're both good attacks. So I'm a little bit hesitant about that. I think game week 13 and game week, is it game week 11 and 13? There's some interesting ones mm-hmm. where there's matchups coming. And I think it's 13 in particular, yeah, where is it Spurs one, yeah. play Aston Villa. And yeah, there's all sorts. We'll get to that in a couple of weeks time. But defense, defensive transfers I'm more interested in. But generally speaking, I think looking at the midfield and attack, I think it's rolling with with it for now. Perfect. All right. Uh, let's move on to bowl claims. Um, I don't think either did either of us do do any points last week. No, we did not. No, <laughs> I, I went Mac, Mac Darby decided by one goal, which was a no. And what did you go for? I went Solanke double digit hall against against Burnley. Oh dear. Um, which did not go too well. Let's move um, on quickly. That was a stink fest. Um, yeah, so my, my bold claim this week, I'm going for double digits again. I don't know why I'm doing it to myself, um, but not for Solanke this time. I'm going for Mbwemo to add salt into the wounds of all sellers, including me, over the last few weeks and get his third double-digit haul in a row against West Ham at home. I don't think it's the best fixture in the world for them, but West Ham's underlying data defensively has not been great so far. They look a little bit in a bad, in a, a little bit of a bad yeah, state at the moment. I don't look Malaise fantastic. there, isn't there? Yeah, yeah there, there's something. I'm not, I'm not quite sure if I can put my finger on it, but is that three back-to-back losses now in the yeah, league? Is, I yeah. think, uh, yeah. So I'm going with Mbwemo to continue his good run of form and uh, Brentford to pick up another win, probably, but more importantly, double digits for Mbwemo in particular. Yeah, fourth worst defense for XG now. Wow. West Ham. Yeah, yeah, gone on, on the radar because we've all, many of us have caught Mariola. Yeah. Who would have double West Ham defense? Hey, that would be crazy, right? <laughs> I wonder where your transfers are going to be this week. <laughs> um, right, and then my one, um, I am uh, sunk costing, leaning into my own failures. Uh, Martinelli to score versus Newcastle. Kieran Trippier caught on the hop. And Marcelli to make him pay. Um, either that or Trossard's making him pay up. Marcelli gets subbed. Um, but yes, <laughs> Marcelli scores versus Newcastle is my bold claim for this week. Cool. All right. Q&A time. Um, continuation of this. What we were talking about earlier on, we kind of started touching on it a little bit. Uh, Hindu Monkey. <clears throat> the template now looks very, very strong with most squads having eight or nine of the same starting 11 each week. Yet differentials continue to shine, such as Wilson ending in Ketia this week. Shout out to Praz. Uh, is it worth gambling or would your advice be to simply sit in the pack during this strong template period? Interesting one. I mean, I suppose it's it's always about kind of trying to scam for opportunities, Sam. Yeah, always have your ear to the ground. Um, I think there are some picks that you probably don't want to be betting against at the moment, just because not only are they template, but they're template for a reason. It's their template because they're getting a lot of points and the data's good. So 
the four or five that we mentioned earlier, again, Salason, Saka, Haaland are all going to be pretty good picks. You might back against one of them. I wouldn't back against more than one of them. But then that still leaves you with plenty of positions in your 11 that you can have a little bit of uh, a differential flavour to, um, especially if you're going for something like a, a 3-4-3. That third striker spot looks very open to interpretation at the moment. You could be looking at Darwin. You could be looking at Wilson and Ketia as well. That fourth and fifth mid as well is an interesting selection point. I mean, a lot of us have Mbwemo, Mitoma, Diaby, but there's nothing against going with someone completely off the wall there or in the fifth spot as well. A, a Dringa of, uh, obviously is, uh, uh, sorry, a Dingra is obviously uh, the flavour of the week after our touting last week on the pods, thanks to Fran. Um, didn't return this week, but was pretty unlucky not to do so. So there are definitely opportunities out there. I just think, as always, it's trying to figure out what is just a bit of a, a one-week hope and hope to hit and what has a little bit more longevity to, because you don't want to leave yourself in a spot where you have, like we've been mentioning all pod, overmanaged, and in a week's time you're thinking, I need to get rid of this player again because it just isn't going to work out. Um, but yeah, there are opportunities there, and I think outside of maybe four or five pretty obvious picks right now to have in your side there are definitely positions that you could have a bit more fun with absolutely I think um I suppose going forward you've got quite a set defense and that's not really going to be the place I mean yeah a little bit of reshuffling now if you're in the position like you are Sam where you know you're just kind of making sure that everything's optimized but yeah for the attack there's always going to be one player so say you know as I mentioned before um Haaland's Son Salah Saka around that there's always going to be one or two players you can kind of mess with so say I know Bowen I think is probably crept into the overall template at the moment so this week you had Bowen blanking in a fairly sort of pathetic West Ham performance against Everton whereas those who had Diaby flourished because you had double-digit hall there and it's kind of finding those moments or those sort of gaps um, where there is a spot of contention uh, where you can make things happen. I mean, you, you might kind of, you know, with Saka um, having low XA or XGI, XGI last week, you may think to yourself, right, for the Burnley game, maybe I do want Martinelli if Martinelli does do well against Newcastle, which I obviously fervently hope he does because I own him. Um, so there's always going to be ways and means around it. Um, I think that there's definitely a case of just making sure that your ass is covered effectively because that's what's always going to happen i think you know there's always going to be a, a necessary real politique to make sure you've picked the players who are scoring those points and also highly owned i think that's just kind of what can happen in fpl you've got to cover your ass and um, but outside of that there are always ways and means uh, to make a difference um, I, i'm happy to sit in the pack sometimes and just look for those opportunities I, we're not going to be taking on the captaincy and um, maybe this week actually there is an element of that because those people don't own Holland but a lot of the time you won't be taking quite quite taking on the kind of the upper echelons or the there won't be the big bang uh, when you're taking on um big bigly owned players highly owned players but there is always going to be one or two players that you can kind of make a battleground of each week so that your dice men um are probably going to be kind of reduced a little bit potentially um to one or two right versus mm. four or five and that's just the nature of how things go in the season like things get soft things get hard you know 
you can, I can keep going with that analogy, with that analogy but I'm not going to. <laughs> right, uh, next one. Uh, some bloke called Nick, who apparently used to co-present this podcast. I can't remember him. There's so many, there's so many co-hosts. And um, he says, "Can we revisit the mid-range mid-range mids for a bit?" He's looking at the RB, but he recognizes that's due to recency bias. Um, but he also recognizes there's last week's fight with Matoma, last week's pods uh, star Adingra, Gordon Palmer, uh, Palmer, Palmer. Palmer um, and Bumo in the mix, as well as Bowen. Um, who do we prefer amongst those sort of cheapies, uh, or slightly cheap kind of individuals in the mid-price mix um, in the midfield? I mean, it's it's definitely one. I suppose that is one of those battlegrounds, isn't it? When you're really looking at it and thinking, hey, you know what? Um, if I get that one right, I'm going to be doing well. I think there's got to be. I've, I've just got to kind of shout out how bloody well uh, Brentford are doing. They're in the top. Four, they're in the top five for uh, for XG this season. And Bumo is fourth overall. Admittedly, obviously, we couldn't really miss this week. Um, mm-hmm. And there have been kind of a few kind of significant misses. There were a few significant misses really early on in the season, which probably fueling where he is in terms of the overall XG. Um, but you know definitely a player who's got multiple points uh, multiple routes to points that Pro general was saying on his pod today um maybe it's maybe it's him i mean uh, how are you feeling about gordon at the moment that's probably a good a good thing to ask you because we both own him and he's maybe one that i'm thinking could well end up being moved out eventually yeah so uh, gordon for me is a player that at the moment is walking a little bit of a tightrope i think newcastle is still a good side they had a bit of a blip against wolves they have looked a little bit leggy um but gordon is pretty much nailed into the side at the moment with especially with all the injuries around newcastle so i still expect him to tick along but the fixtures aren't great it's now a patch of a run of fixtures, I think, where it's the, the home games are all the hardest games they're going to have. So Arsenal this week, Chelsea and Man United are both home games in the next five as well. And then I think the two away games are Bournemouth and Everton. Um, so obviously great to have him for those. The home games, I, I wouldn't be scared of Man United at the moment, probably not too scared of Chelsea. Arsenal might be a bit of a battle. Um, but again, he's he's under six million, so he's very much an enabler. And if he gets a return every other week, then I would call I would call that a win. So I'm not I'm not going to try and paint him with the same brush as the likes of uh, Mbumo, Diaby, Matoma because they are an extra million. I, that is a pretty handy sacrifice. If I could get to them, I'd prefer any of those options over Gordon at this point. So if we're putting them in the same pile then I think Mbumo, if we disregard the fixtures, comes out on top. The data is absolutely fantastic and he's on penalties. Um, if we're adding in the fixtures, it probably becomes a little bit messier and I might end up putting Mitoma one rung ahead. But Brighton themselves haven't looked fantastic recently. I think with Diaby, I'm just... I'm a little bit wary of being overexposed to Villa when their fixtures run out in a few game weeks time and because I've already got Watkins because I've already got cash feels like a lot of eggs in one basket at this point if I already had the RB from two three weeks ago I'd definitely be holding on to him but I don't think I'd necessarily buy him now unless I knew that I had absolutely nothing else going on in my team for the next few weeks um but yeah Gordon bit of a thin tightrope but not really too bothered about holding him for the next couple um, after Bournemouth, I might reassess if he can, continues to 
um, flatter to deceive. Um, but I'd, I'd probably put Mbumo and Matoma as joint top, maybe just favouring Matoma based on fixtures. Yeah, I'd probably do that as well. I think there's definitely there's been um, an element of faith being shook in Bowen too. Um, mm. He's I think he's, he's 12th overall for a, a non-pen X, uh, XGI at the moment, which is still good. Uh, four sort of shots in the box, I think uh, General said this week. Um, they weren't particularly great shots though. That was a, that was an awful game. It was a waste of oh, was two awful. hours of my time. And my daughter actually fell asleep during that game. That's how bad it was. And I, I almost joined her to be honest. It was awful. Um, <clears throat> so <clears throat> West Ham really need to sort themselves out soon. Or Bones, you know, due to the chop as well. And you know, answering Hindu Monkey's question again, that could be a time when you do kind of do something different. So mm. there you go. Um, you mentioned Brighton. Um, Nave Jacobson asked, is it time to rethink Brighton? They seem to be struggling with European commitments, or is this overthinking, or should we go with the fixtures? So, I mean, Brighton still doing pretty well, um, just below Bournemouth in terms of that um, team XG. Um, they're sixth at the moment overall. Um, Matoma, something mm, 20, I'm going to say he's kind of in top 30 i think for 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 xg or something like that um even you know evan evan ferguson and Jal pedro people are kind of looking at them as well but it does feel like matoma or bust until west opinion gets back with them just because you can't be sure of the minutes and you know the, the risks are writ large really with Jal pedro uh and with uh, uh and uh with uh, getting even evan ferguson in because you're not really gonna be sat there buying dunk are you um so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's really a case of a Matoma and a Dingra, and again, being very open to the fact that he is priced as he is for a reason. Um, it feels more of a almost an enabler pick uh, for an Adingra or Matoma if you're in the situation uh, like Nick is, where you're looking at mid range mid and thinking, well, all right, let's just go with the fixtures. The fixtures are very good. Uh, there's no getting around. There's no getting around that, and they're good for quite a while. I think the top of um, both the clean sheet uh, or defensive metrics uh, in terms of the fixture tickers, and also top for attacking. And next three Everton away, Sheffield United at home, and Nottingham Forest away. All good games, especially that one in twelve against Sheffield United is quite juicy. Before they come into Chelsea and Brentford, and then Burnley at home in 16 so you know feasibly you could be all right with a brighton pick it's just yeah maybe that the um extra labor involved with a that the extra midweek game is weighing on them deserve said this team is used to playing once a week and now it's playing twice a week and mm. it's quite a difficult transition yeah it is and we often see this with european sides for the when they're breaking in for the first time but i, I think with brighton it's important to note that we need we need to almost recalibrate what our view of Brighton is. I think for a, quite a while, especially at the back end of last season, we all got maybe a slight bit carried away and started imagining them as a top two or top three side, when actually we all know that they're going to be somewhere between fifth and eighth or ninth, uh, as as the fifth or eighth, the fifth to eighth best Premier League side, which is still fantastic. That is absolutely brilliant. And especially when we look at how they are going forward, how they are in attack then the price points of these players are more than fair. They're very, very good value for money. But let's not get carried away and, and pretend that they're on the same level as Man City, Arsenal, or possibly even Spurs at the moment in terms of how good, how talismanic these assets can be and how valuable they are to our side. They're cheaper for a reason. And Matoma at 6.5 million, I still think is fantastic value for money. What we expect from a 6.5 million asset should not be anywhere near what we're expecting from the likes of a Saka or even or even a Bowen at near enough 7.5 million now as well. So 
I, I still think that Brighton can provide a, a great option in our FPL sides. It's just recalibrating exactly what we expect of them. And I think a lot of people are disappointed about the blip against Fulham. They were the better side. I think they were very unlucky not to win that game. And again, it, any any side finishing between fifth and eighth, ninth in the Premier League is going to drop the odd point here or there against a slightly lesser team at certain stages during the season. But then next week, they could easily go and blow a team away 5-0 because that's yeah. the Brighton that we know. Like they five can, one. Or 5-1. Five five one. Yeah, more likely 5-1. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're completely right. Um, but yeah, that that is the Brighton we know. They are still going to drop points here and there. They're not the perfect side. They are fallible. Mm. But that, that doesn't mean they're not going to be really good for us in FPL and they're not going to be a, a good Premier League side. It's just let's not get carried away and, and think that they're just going to blow teams away three or four one every single <laughs> week because <laughs> it, it's just not going to work out like that in the Premier League. We um, we only remember the big ones and Brighton will get a fair few of them still from now until the end of the season. So don't give up yet. I think what's good about it almost is that it kind of helps narrow down the, op- the, the option set because there are too many sort of asterisks about Brighton at the moment that if you don't own a Brighton player, you don't need to get an Adingra as an enabler, or you're not kind of thinking, oh, you know, I'll get Matoma now. Like if you don't, then you've you've got a reason to yeah, but buying Brighton. Yeah. So it kind of just helps with the decision making process a little bit. It may be, as Sam says, that they become unignorable because they get a few of those sort of big results. But as it stands, you know, it's, it's one of those that I I, I enjoy, still enjoy watching them. Um, I still enjoy sort of thinking about potentially getting a Brighton player in. But at the moment, kind of the the, the there isn't that compulsion to get one. Um, I still think Matoma's ownership is pretty high from game week one, but the engaged ownership wasn't as high this week, for example. Mm. It may well have been, again, that if he did kind of go off against Fulham that this week, we'd be like, oh, how do we fit Matoma in? And you, you've got just got to be aware of that. But you know, as long as they stay quiet-ish, you know, it kind of just helps make decisions going forward. So it's not too much of a bad thing, really. Um, all right, uh, next question. I'm going to combine these two. Um, Dave sees at FPL. Can I get a rundown of which defenders are the best fixture between now and uh, I, mean, I think we'll go for game week 16, please. Um, he's got two flags and Tarkovsky in defence. And FPL Death Star, um, any opinion on Shimikas as a Liverpool defensive option now? Is he nailed enough this good fixture run or in our Liverpool as dependable defensively? So we spoke about Shimikas a couple of weeks ago, didn't we, Sam? And said, oh, you know, we're not entirely sure how he's going to be used yet. So maybe it's worth getting that kind of information. Uh, Liverpool did, can, did record a clean sheet, a rare clean sheet um, this week against uh, against Nottingham Forest, of course. Um, I think that's their third clean sheet of the season. Uh, two clean sheets in a row after Everton as well. Um, and they're now fifth uh, in terms of, uh, fifth from Boston, that is, in terms of XG against. Um, so in terms of Shimikas, I feel like he's definitely a player at 4.5 who should probably be top of the list for, for just getting those cheap players in on, on some corners. He's not going to be kind of getting you those big scores probably uh, you could get lucky and get an assist and get a, get a um get a clean sheet and off you go um but other than that i mean it, it's kind of looking like we're kind of around sort of matt cash yeah um an arsenal defender well maybe a gabriel was all the way rage wasn't he last week but this week hmm, yes maybe not so much anymore and maybe still people have like a doggy or something like that. I mean, there's definitely a bit of shuffling to be done in the defensive sort of area, isn't there, Sam? Who have you got your eye on? 
Yeah, Simicas. It's got to be at the moment, hasn't it, really? Um, yeah, 4.5 million is a treat for a top team. And even though they're not keeping a million clean sheets, there aren't many other sides in the league at the moment that I'd back for consistent clean sheets over the next run. So knowing that he is that cheap in a good team with great fixtures, I think is enough. And he did get 90 minutes over over the weekend as well. So I'm pretty pretty happy with my process on Simicast at the moment, considering I've got that fourth defender spot. So I don't need to start him every single week. And when he eventually does become an issue, when Robertson does come back in January, maybe, um, then I potentially also have a, a week or two to figure out what I'm going to do with him because I've also got three other starting defenders. So I think he's top of my list for me at the moment. Um, a couple of other teams out there with good fixture runs until around about game week 14, 15. Uh, to answer the question, Crystal Palace have a good mm, fixture definitely. run for the next few. I think the, the problem I keep coming back to for Crystal Palace at the moment, even though the fixtures are good, I think they're really struggling at the moment because of their more advanced in, injuries. So it, it, injuries in their in their attacking third means that the pressure just sort of keeps coming back onto their defence every five minutes or so. So I feel like that's why they're going through a little bit of a blip at the moment. And it doesn't fill me with tons of confidence, but I think considering the fixtures, especially in the next five, if I just read them out, Burnley, Everton, Luton, West Ham is probably the hardest one there. And then Bournemouth, that there's got to be a couple of clean sheets there at least, surely. So you could go for an Anderson, you could go for a Grahi. Um, The other one, if you fancy something really crazy, but he has picked up a little bit of traction, is uh, Man United and possibly Harry Maguire at 4.2. I kind of don't really fancy it myself because Man United have just fundamentally not been great, but 4.2 is pretty cheap. He could get his head on something at a corner. He is starting at the moment. Who knows how long that will continue for, though, by the way. Um, maybe you could look at Man United, but it's just not convincing for me. Uh, what about you? Yeah, um, I, I, yeah, that's a bit of a... If you if you need money, then sure. Mm. I, I mean, I you know, could go there. I could find myself going there. You never know. I think it's got to be Shimakas at the moment. Um, I think Gahey is probably the one that I would have said if you don't really fancy that or you've got some concerns or you're making up a couple of moves. Um, Palace, uh, ninth for expected goal against. So uh, that's ninth, ninth from bottom, you know what I mean? Um, and yes, to reflect your point, they're fifth from bottom for XG because they've got no players to attack, mm. uh, which is why bloody Ayu scoring a wonder goal is not exactly what we <laughs> wanted. Um, yes, uh, Anana and Lerma are fit. Um, so they've got the defensive screen. It's just what they do going forward and keeping the ball away from their goal. There's, there's not yeah. very much they can do about it. I think Lerma can play a more advanced role potentially. Um, but yeah, Lise and Eze being out has definitely kind of hamstrung them a bit. But you know, we're at the point in the season, aren't we, where you know, Roy will be looking at those games and thinking, yeah, you know, if we can get nil-nil, get a goal, <laughs> that's kind of what we're going for. But yeah, uh, a lot of that's going to be about inviting pressure onto the team because, yes, uh, the Burnley game, the Luton game, the West Ham game are all away. Um, so they are not, they're going to be inviting pressure in those games. And yes, okay, the, the players, uh, apart from West Ham, are not essentially um, the most kind of creative and uh, players that I'm going to be fearing are going to be scoring. But you know, more chance equals more chances of goal, basically. So yeah, I think maybe it's going to be Shimakas and maybe just hoping that Liverpool's defensive unit. McAllister looking actually quite good in the defensive role. Um, so yeah, maybe we'll, maybe we'll go with that one for the time being.
Penultimate question, uh, sticking with Liverpool, FPL Janino asks if Darwin is worth our time now with his, with his improving X-Mins and actual returns as well to boot. Uh, so Darwin is eighth overall at the moment for non-pen XGI. And um, as you may expect, uh, in terms of non-pen XGI per 90, he's top. Um, he's mm. half third in Holland. Um, 7.4, I think he is. 7.4 yeah, he is. Um, yeah. So yeah, if you're in free for free, I think he'd definitely be a player that you'd be considering. Um, maybe even uh, not sure you did this week uh, because I'm assuming you got Alvarez and soon you got Watkins. Uh, but a player you really need to be keeping an eye on, I think, and probably maybe a player that you know, maybe when you can kind of get bored of Watkins or you kind of think, oh, after uh, um, after Bournemouth in 14, I think it is they've got Man City and Arsenal. Yeah back-to-back maybe that would be kind of where the natural jump off would be for darwin but there's definitely some sort of mileage in in going for it and maybe kind of going back to hindi monkey's question a player like him could be a good kind of buy if you're looking to kind of challenge the template a little bit yeah absolutely i mean one of my bold claims for the season was 20 league goals for darwin and it's not looking great so far but a run of starts and he could easily he could net four or five in one game at any given moment. Easy, yeah. I I love him. I absolutely love him. He's one of the players that really genuinely excites me when I watch him. And that is for bad reasons as well, but that's part of the chaos and that's part of why I love watching him. Because <laughs> it could end in Co- oh. complete capitulation or with one of the most amazing things I've ever yeah. seen. Like Newcastle. We, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like the Newcastle game. And I, I think that's why I enjoy football for moments like that. So yeah, Dar- Darwin, I absolutely love. I've just, I'm never tempted to buy him an FPL because I'm not convinced that he'll get the minutes. However, in the form he's in now, I'm starting to question that that logic a little bit. I'm starting to think that actually he probably is the centre forward of choice for Liverpool now. He's probably not the first name on the team sheet, but if he's fit, he's probably getting the, the team built around him a little bit all of a sudden. And the form, if it continues, I, I see no reason to take him out other than potentially at times give him a rest which yeah. will happen once or twice. We will have to bake that into our viewpoint because they do have five very strong forward options across that front three. And he won't he won't get 90 minutes every week. So if you can if you can kind of bake that into your thinking and you still think he's good value for money, which by the way, I do, especially if you're in a 3-4-3, he's a, a player that I'd highly recommend having a good look at in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, but I, w- I wouldn't sell Watkins or Alvarez for him this week. That I would not do that this week. I would, despite the fixture against Luton, I, I, it's a great fixture, but I, Watkins and Alvarez are still both absolutely fine. And I, to revert back to the the theme of this pod. I would be very worried about overmanaging just to try and get the perfect player for this yeah. week. When actually the two the two other options that a lot of us already have are absolutely fine to own for this week and could easily outscore him. Let we'll revisit him in the next few weeks. But yeah, I mean, if you've got him already, you're loving life. Yeah, he's he's a great pick. I think there's definitely a couple of kind of things that to consider about Darwin as well. One, if you don't own Salah, he could be a way to cover Salah in inverted commas because mm. um, if you look at Salah's uh, how he played with Darwin this week in particular maybe it was tactical we don't know um, but very very sort of he was literally was running down the wing um, to quote for Liverpool <laughs> to quote the song that Liverpool fans sing about Salah uh, whereas like last week in Everton um, he you know, Darwin didn't play or he didn't start 
but then the week before that, um, Salah scored the brace um, when the, and Darwin did play the full 90. Um, so there is always this risk, I guess, uh, with, with, with Salah in terms of his overall position being affected by Darwin. So one to keep an eye on, I think, uh, depending on the opposition that Salah is facing, and um, that it could mean that Darwin does become um, almost a better pick than Salah in some some games, potentially some some of the quite, quite easier games on paper. You may mm-hmm. see this against Luton as well that Salah turns provider more uh, for Captain Chaos, um, so he could be a, a very good pick, especially if you're a, a no Salah uh, owner uh, looking to kind of find Nimrod in Liverpool into the Liverpool attack because as you as you mentioned Sam the team does seem to be being built around him or at least kind of t- tailored to Darwin's strengths at the moment that does include Salah becoming a bit of a supplicant uh, for, for for Darwin so yeah mm. uh, very exciting if you can get there it's a lot about kind of team state as you've kind of spoken about a few times what's the point if if you do own Watkins doing Holland it's, it's not worth it this week, frankly. And you have to kind of just take it on the chin. And the ownership is low enough. I know people hate this, but the ownership is low enough-ish and that you can probably avoid him. But yeah, um, he's one that definitely we definitely come back to. And there may be kind of a, a widening sort of discussion about him going forward, even for us in the 3-5-2. Maybe we may end up kind of looking at 3-4-3 because of Darwin, how well he's doing. It's, yeah. it's definitely on the table that could happen. All right, final question this week. Uh, rolling in the transfers and captains. Um, Dave asked, who do the no Holland brigade captain this week? Should they be scared? So I, I guess it I guess they captain Salah. Yeah. Yeah. Got to. Surely. Um, <clears throat> yeah, it's got it's got to be Salah. Or um the other one I was thinking of was, was just chucking it on Alvarez and just you know hoping that he matches because it could well happen any given day. Um you could find that Holland and Alvarez match each other. Um because you know. Bournemouth and no man knighted, are they? They're better than that. So you know, uh, we'll, we'll have to see. Um, but yeah, it's, it's got to be um, got to be Salah. So I think that by consequence, you probably see Salah again nudging the 100% sort of effective ownership sort of mark if, you, if that's something again you're into. Um, but yeah, I think if I didn't own Holland this week, um, based on kind of um, how he performed against Man United, um, yeah, I think I would be quite worried. I don't know if you'd kind of relent on your strategy because at the end of the day, you do have Salah to cover. You may potentially have Alvarez to cover. And after this, you've got Chelsea, Liverpool, Spurs and Aston Villa coming up for, for City. So maybe you're kind of thinking, oh, you know what, I'm going to jump back on Haaland. Uh, after that, I think it's Luton. I think I'm right in saying. So I think that would be maybe the time you jump on Holland again. Yeah. So yeah. this is kind of the, the the week that I guess you'd have known this is all going to come if you are on the no Holland kind of strat. Um, so should you be scared? Potentially, probably. Like you know what could happen. I'm pretty sure this week there were probably a few green arrows dented or red arrows made worse um, by Holland going off against Man United. I think that's probably the summary there. And we're both on to move on to transfers the captain Sam on Holland, aren't we? Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely captaining Hall. And let me just get my team. I'll, I'll start off with my team, actually, and we'll go back yep. to yours. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm captaining Hall this week. No no question about that whatsoever. It Just to answer Dave's question a little, a little bit um, from my side as well, the, the way that the question was pitched is as if they sh- should be worried about who to captain. I think Salah's a great option for captain. Yeah, definitely. If you're captaining Salah this week then it probably means you don't have Haaland whatsoever, which means you're very exposed to whatever points he gets because he will be 160, 170% EO. So I, you'd probably be a little bit fearful for that, but I don't think the captaincy is necessarily a worry. There are universes where Salah could outscore Haaland um, against Luton. It could definitely happen. It's just they'll be even more exposed on 
whatever Haaland scores than those of us with Haaland captain probably also already own Salah. So we'll be maybe slightly exposed to a 110% EO Salah, for instance. So we have to mitigate against that extra 10%. Yeah. Whereas the the non-Harlanders just simply don't have him whatsoever. So it'll, this is the week that they probably are the most worried, but I don't think go against that. I, I don't think you have to rip up your team to switch your strategy. You've picked this strategy for a reason. I'm sure that the logic is very sound and you can keep moving down this path. This is just the one week that you probably aren't really looking forward to quite as much. But <laughs> the, other, the other the other weeks, it can, it can work out and arguably it has so far. So no reason to divert from the path now. Um, sorry, so back to my team. Um, Harlan captain, Salah Vice. Um, it's a 3-5-2 at the moment. And the, the back line is the only thing I'm really worried about at the moment. I've got Cash absolutely fine against Forest, But then it's uh, a doggy Chelsea. I do expect him to be back for that home game. Um, and then it's Burn against Arsenal and Aguerd on the bench against Brentford away from home. I do also have Taylor against Crystal Palace at home, but I think Burnley are just so bad that even with a good fixture, I'm not convinced that I can start him. Um, I've got two free transfers, so you can probably guess what I'm thinking. Um, and that is going to be most likely Simicast for Aguerd. Um, I do have, uh, well, I don't need any money in the bank, but if Simicast rises tonight, which looks fairly likely, I will have that 0.1 in the bank to still make that move. So I don't need to make it tonight. Um, but yeah, I could move a doggy out. I could move burnout for Simicast instead. But I think Aguerd is probably the more obvious yeah, issue. Yeah, definitely. Um, you don't want to double that double West Ham defence, especially looking at the defensive numbers, do you? Yeah, any week. Yeah, I, I, to start with, I, I was looking, when I wildcarded, I thought Aguerd might be a, a bit of a savvy pick. He, his goal threat's decent. West Ham had some good fixtures coming up, but now I'm looking at it and I'm thinking there is absolutely no week I want double exposure on a West Ham clean sheet. If they get one, fine, great. I've got, I've got Areola in goal anyway. I don't yeah. think I'd back them heavily enough to go double, so I, I might need to correct that error. Um, and Simicast looks as good as anyone at 4.5 at the yeah, moment. Absolutely. So I think it just makes sense. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense for sure. Um, maybe, you know, there's definitely a few people questioning why did you buy Areola? And this is because of the money, isn't it? Like 4.2, yeah. no keepers cover themselves in glory. Like 4.2 for a 4.5 keeper, that's not 0.3 million saving. Or if you bought him, if you had him from the start, a 0.5 million saving, like, you know, shove him in he'll get some saves he got saves this week yeah there aren't <laughs> many other good keepers at 4.5 either like even for the 0.3 that you could gain johnston would be the one wouldn't he really if you're yeah. now when you want to spend more money on a goalkeeper with those fixtures coming up we referenced earlier on but i mean west ham's fixtures are still good um mm -hmm. and there's a chance they're going to get a clean sheet out of those i mean here's david moyes overall at one clean sheet over the first 10 game which is going to bother him um so yeah it'll be fine It'll be fine. And Ariola's got a decent amount of save points this season. Um, so it's, it's definitely something. I think he's averaging a, a, a three saves a game, four saves a game, something like that. So, you know, you're still getting what you want from a player of a goalkeeper of that cost. So, you yeah, know, team that's good. Uh, my team, I'm rolling, uh, I think. Um, so I, I haven't got a bench either. I've got Taylor um, and FL Reviews telling me to play Taylor over Gordon. 
don't think I'm going to quite do that. Interesting. I'm going to get the, I'm going to get the two free transfers and then figure out what the hell I'm going to do. Um, Trippier um, and Gordon both play Bournemouth, of course, in game week. Uh, in game week. Uh, game week twelve. Twelve. Yeah. So. If I did want to remove Trippier this week for Shimakas and free that money up for a move in 12, that is an option. Um, and it's a case of kind of weighing up exactly what I'd do there if I did do that. Um, I think I do want to get to Saka by game week 12 um, to have a double up uh, for Burnley at home. Um, so that's something I really need to think about, um, especially because this week potentially does kind of form a good week to be removing Trippier and freeing that money up at the opportunity cost of missing out on two free transfers in in game week 12 because I think it would be like Bowen to Saka would be what I'd do um, that week. So yeah, there is a chance that I do Trippier to Shimakas this week um, and uh, basically just get that money released from from Trippier. Um, I'm, I, I, think that there's, I think it's a 50-50 chance that I do it um, because I I think that kind of just down in tools and rolling away um, may represent kind of the flip side of overmanagement that we spoke about earlier on, that maybe I'd be um, kind of just moving away from the process that sort of works for me um, because I've mm. never been afraid to make transfers in a week where people kind of say, oh, you've got a role um, and it might kind of actually help to to make that because next week I may kind of, be like, oh, I don't, I can't move Trippier now. Whereas this week I sort of can. Um, and Newcastle did look really leggy in that game. Uh, to be honest, did not look like they're at the races just because yeah, they've got loads of injuries and they've got a small team. Uh, we'll see what happens in the Carling Cup. Uh, wherever it, is it called the Carling Cup now? Carabao. Carabao Cup now. <laughs> uh, see, see what happens in that. Um, but yes, um, I'm, I'm. I'm tempted to, to to follow suit on Shimakas because I think just releasing the money um, could lead to a lot of things going forward. But yes, it is that opportunity cost of getting the two free transfers, but it may be a case of kind of needs must um, just because I think maybe I'm, I think if I've got Marcelli, either he becomes then Saka or in future and um, Bowen becomes Saka and I'll give up on Bowen, especially if Bowen this week is, um, and West Ham continue their sort of fallow form. I mean, it's due to turn around at some point, that's for sure. Um, but I mean, I think kind of, if I can't get to Son, then I probably should try to get to Saka at least. Um, so yeah, I, I'm, I'm kind of, in two minds about it, it's definitely one that I leave until um, until Friday. Don't let make a move on Saturday. It'll be probably one I think about until Friday. But um, I, that's kind of the one that I'm I'm considering a lot at the moment. And maybe again, also a route to the other one I'm thinking of is maybe removing Poro for Shimakas. But I don't think that's going to be enough to um, get uh, Saka in uh, on anyone else. So it may have to be Trippier goes this week. But hey, I could just leave it and roll it. Absolutely. Mm. I mean, what do you think? I mean, do you think you, would you just kind of roll it and leave it, or do you think that um, there's definitely a, an element of, hey, you can you can sort that out and maybe kind of figure out how you get to Saka in twelve? Because I think I'm going to need him for that Burnley game. I think it would be quite nice as well to have differential of potentially having uh, Martinelli and Saka for that Burnley game. Yeah, that would be nice. I do agree with that. Um, I think either way, you can get to Saka next week. It, I would just be hesitant about getting rid of Trippier ahead of ahead of that Bournemouth game next week. I, I can just see that backfiring in the same way that this week getting rid of Son did. Um and that's not to say it's not going to pay off. It, it could it could easily pay off as well. Um but I'm what I'm just trying to look at your side and, and see if there is another way to free up no, that money. There's, there's not there's not there's, it's not it's not easy, not. is it? No, it's generally How, not could you um 
Could, how, how much would Gordon to Adingra do? So that's another 0. 0.6. 0. 0.6, yeah. It's not, it's not good enough. That wouldn't get you there. New. It should be an easy to go at some point. Um, that's the only way I can do it. Um, yeah. yeah. One, one to consider. One to consider, that's for sure. I'm, I'm, we're not going to get too many answers here, but that's, that is that is like bareface. The only way this week is probably the, the time to do it because I expect Arsenal to score. Um, and um, yes, yes. Um, it might be kind of it might maybe one of those kind of butterfly effect decisions, which kind of at least I've got the money there, and at least I've, then I've kind of moved to um, Saka, and then hey, I've got two Arsenal, and maybe again that could kind of be quite a good thing um, for the for the, for the future. Um, mm. And you know, long term, I definitely need to sort out my bench a little bit, um, because my bench is Taylor uh, Kabore, who's I think he did he did he played a full 90 versus Aston Villa actually but he's, he's kind of inability to register anything in terms of points is obviously worrying and then Archer got benched <laughs> so mm. yeah um no, I've got to sort of my bench especially for that um game week uh coming up for the midweek game week uh, in in December I think it's game week 15 um so I need a bench for that so all of these things are hopefully going to help me going forward um so yeah I, I think I'm kind of Maybe even planning that for starting to plan that for now, and maybe looking at Shimakas. Oh, hey, even even Harry Maguire. Hell, why <laughs> not? Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's shoot for the moon. Shoot for the slab. Right there, we go. There we go. There we go, indeed. Well, hopefully uh, you've all enjoyed another quite long pod. Actually, we thought it would be a bit a uh, bit shorter today, but it's ended up being almost an hour and a half. So hopefully you've all hung in there with us and enjoyed our pod on overthinking. Hopefully we haven't overthought it today and uh, it's been enjoyable. Um, but in the meantime, we have been who got the assist. You can find us on X at WGTA underscore FPL or myself at FPL Pricey and on Instagram or threads. It's WGTA dot FPL or at FPL Pricey again. If you did enjoy the pod, um, if you could uh, follow us on those channels or uh, give the pod a five star star rating wherever you're listening to it. Um, or if you're watching on YouTube, we'd really appreciate it if you could leave a like and subscribe to the channel as well. That would be fantastic. Thank you so much in advance for doing any or all of those things. Perfect. Thanks, Sam. Um, we hope you enjoyed the pod. Uh, we hope we assisted you think about overmanagement, overthinking in FPL, and we'll speak to you next week. Take care. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Social Podcast Network. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC. 